Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest, but first, a quick thank you to our sponsor. One of the most valuable skills is learning how to sell. And I don't mean sales in the context of manipulation or any of those sleazy sales techniques. I'm talking about the old-fashioned art of bringing value to customers. I'd like you to attend How to Win Funds and Influence People. This is hosted by Russell Gray from the Real Estate Guys Radio Show. Coming up on June 28th and 29th in Dallas, Texas, this is a must-attend event. If you've not attended before, you definitely want to make it there. For more information, go to realestateguysradio.com slash events. That's realestateguysradio.com slash events. We are back here on the weekend edition. We interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. We have a great guest all the way from Boise, Idaho. Welcome to the show, AJ Osborne. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. So AJ, you've been investing in real estate for quite some time. You've amassed a fairly sizable portfolio. But for folks who don't know your backstory, why don't you give us a little bit of your origin story and how you got into this crazy world of real estate investing? Absolutely. I love real estate. You know, I never came out of college thinking I was going into real estate. I, I, I never, my first job, so I was in the insurance world and I grew up actually in the insurance world. My father had started a firm and we sold brokerage benefits and it, that was going good. We had clients that paid us and we liked that and it was all going well, but I realized I was kind of on a treadmill and I always had to go out and get new clients. I was worried about my income as my family was growing. I was worried about providing for them and um, I decided, you know, we need to probably diversify and I need to get into something that I can really compound. And so we started to look at vehicles that we could invest in and things that we could do and different asset classes that we could start putting our money into to create more of a passive compoundable return um, than simply trading time for money, working to, to get that commission. And it was probably the most important move in my life because I, I became paralyzed from head to toe and was unable to work. And uh, I was in the hospital for months on life support. And that was a scary time, not just because of health, but I am the sole provider in my family. My wife uh, stays home with our four children. And it was obviously important that I provided an income for them. And because we, we worked so hard at diversifying that portfolio, and because I had started that about five years before, it created a situation to where my wife didn't have to worry about paying the bills. She didn't have to worry about meeting the mortgage. She could stay in the hospital with me and take care of our kids. And uh, then when, when I got out of the hospital, I was still paralyzed and they, they took me home. And uh, I was coming back getting stronger, but I couldn't walk. So I, I lied in bed and my wife had to take care of me. She could do that. And she didn't have to worry about leaving me paralyzed at home with the children and getting a job. And that was obviously a tremendous blessing and changed our lives and saved our financial future. But I think really it provides opportunity. And that's the key. This passive income delivered from real estate provides opportunity. And for us, the asset class of choice was self-storage. And that was done for very specific reasons. There were a lot of great asset classes. We had dabbled in self-storage and we'd owned a small facility, nothing major, but we had a premise into which we wanted something that could be a real true value-add strategy. 
And in order to get a value add strategy, we needed to be able to change the underlying income of the asset um, because we needed to be able to increase the value and commercial real estate is traded on cap rates, which are derived from the income. And self storage provided us an opportunity where we could put our skills to running businesses and consulting businesses to use. And we could affect, and the operations of the asset could affect the return and it could um, affect the revenue that came in. So that that's why we chose that asset class. We could buy underperforming facilities and we could work heavily on operations and uh, with employees and we could turn that facility around while still creating a system that could be passive and then we could go and find a new asset to turn around. And so we chose that which allowed us to compound our revenues and grow quickly, which once again then allowed me to have this time and income separation, which turned out to be the the greatest thing for me and my family, even more so than just having time to spend with them, obviously, and traveling or whatever it is that we wanted to do. But in a time of crisis, which 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 I'm young, I'm I'm in my early 30s. I'm healthy. I love fly fishing, skiing, backpacking. This was something that would have never even been imaginable to us. It was caused by something called Guillain-Barre, which meant my white blood cells attacked my nervous system. It wasn't from an accident, anything else like that. It was out of the blue. Literally just one day, my legs hurt. I went and got in the bathtub and I couldn't get out of the bathtub because I was paralyzed. And within a couple of days, I was on life support and feeding tubes and breathing tubes. So this is nothing that would have been even remotely you know, thought that we would have ever happened. We thought it would have been in a skiing accident if something bad had happened. And so it wasn't something that could have been avoided. So that real estate, it, it really did save our, our, our financial life. First of all, congratulations from what sounds like a lengthy recovery and quite a process that you've gone through. When we talk about passive income, I think it's actually a little bit of a myth. Uh, What you're describing really is residual income because there's no such thing as a passive business. And even a self-storage business, while it's maybe not as labor-intensive as multifamily or student housing or some other asset classes, uh, there's still an active business component to it. The key to that, of course, as you've grown your portfolio, is to put the right teams in place to manage the organization. Talk a little bit about that. How have you done that? Yeah. And so first of all, you're totally correct. There's no such thing as passive anything, right? It's like a free meal in economics. It doesn't exist. It's just who's doing the work. When you talk passively, self-storage is probably one of the least passive assets that there is. People just think that people fill up in units and walk away. That's not how it works. It's actually more like a retail center. We advertise constantly. We have customers coming in. We provide insurance, boxes, locks, all sorts of different things. And so operationally, it is, it's it's run like a day-to-day business. And if you don't run a self-storage facility, day-to-day performance centric, it will fail. That's something I think a lot of people don't understand. And they there's a little myth behind self-storage that because there's no toilets per se, that that means it's more passive. Where in fact, we have 11 facilities, but I have 42 employees just is who's doing the work. If you're trying to get to a really, uh, real more passive point in self-storage, 
you can either build the internal team like I have, which allows you to compound and grow, or you can take that and farm that out to a third-party management company, which is what a lot of people do. And that's been a real big change in the self-storage market in the last you know, 10 years is this advent of third-party management that people can come in. Now, you have to pay for it, and it's not cheap. And so that really lowers your returns. So for us, we wanted to be in control of our asset. We wanted to be able to allocate the revenues where we wanted to. So as we learned how to run these assets, as we learned the self-storage business, we started implementing other people to do certain jobs, right? It started out all policies, procedures, training of employees. I mean, that was done by me and my two partners. Uh, we'd come in, we'd do sales training. We'd do all the stuff for our employees. And then as we grew, as we allocated another one and another one, then I had to go get another deal. So we had to hire somebody else to manage the employees and train them on our systems technology. And we created policy manuals, right? We, you have to create automatic systems to run your organization or you're going to be bogged down in it. And that's something we did very, very well. We created a lot of internal policies and procedures that said, listen, this is how our business runs. And if you have questions, this needs to be referred to. We audit our facilities and we manage our employees based upon those things. We have online training as well as in-person training. And the point is we're trying to maximize our revenue per square foot. That's an active management style. But that is the beauty in self-storage, right? That's where I get excited because you can do that. It is really hard to maximize your revenue per square foot and other assets because there's a value add, but there's only so much to do where I can look at my facility month by month and figure out how I'm going to be increasing my revenue. Um, There's very few real estate assets that allow you to be that active in the revenue management because we don't have long-term leases, right? It's not like you don't lease it up and walk it away. This is month to month. So my occupancy can change. The more I advertise, I can bring in, I can pick who I want to be in there. I can pick different products to sell. So I can really be active in managing my revenues within my business. I love that. One of the things I'm fond of saying is that a good deal, badly managed, of course, is no deal. Do you have an example of maybe an asset that you purchased that looked like a really good deal and you had the wrong people in place and they messed it up and then you've had to maybe get a people turnaround in order to get a turnaround in the business? Oh, absolutely. So when we first got started in the business, we purchased a small storage facility. We didn't want to be running storage facilities. Like, Who wants to do this? We're an insurance brokerage firm, right? We want to be out selling companies insurance. So we bought this small facility. We had a third party company management we we hired that was local and so it was in a city that wasn't near us and we thought okay well they'll they'll do it before we knew it we were at 60 percent occupied you go there the gates just sitting open people can come in and out as they want we didn't even know if all the rental units were paying which they weren't the asset had turned into an absolute mess and we we were paying for services that were okay we're not getting but at the same time there was no real good option the the large third-party management companies mainly play in first-tier markets. I live in Idaho, right? So I work in Washington, Oregon, Nevada, and Idaho now, but originally I was in Idaho. Well, when you're in any city that's not a really large city, for the most part, REITs and management companies don't play in that. So we had to just get some local 
property management company that dealt with apartments that knew nothing of self-storage and the asset just tanked. It, I mean, just absolutely tanked. Performance was gone. Money wasn't being collected. And then after about a year, we're like, holy cow, this is a mess. So we kicked them out and we got hands on and we had to turn that thing around. And, and we did. Within six months, it was turned around. It was totally full. Revenues were high. Everything was operating fine and functioning. You know, that was our first experience with a third party management company. And so after that, you decided to repeat the success and build a function in-house. Very common story. We've, we've experienced the same thing in a lot of our multifamily where a third-party management was not up to scratch and we brought the function in-house. We did the same thing. If it wasn't for that process, like once again, failures teach everything, right? And if it wasn't for that process, we would have never been able to build out an effective management company to do what we do now, which is a value add strategy. Like we don't invest to make passive assets. We try to buy underperforming assets and turn them around. That's where we make our money. And I need to do that because I need to take that revenue and reallocate that revenue back into the company so it can grow by taking these assets and learning what failed and and being active in them, that teaches you how to do that. That teaches you how to spot opportunity. You know, if you're starting out or whatnot, I I think you should be very active in the asset if you want to continue in that. If you're looking to put money somewhere and have somebody else do it, that's totally fine. But if you're looking at organically growing and building your own company and being involved in those assets, that first deal, really get your hands dirty. That's how you're going to learn. I love it. Well, AJ, if folks want to get in touch and learn a bit more, what's the best way? I have a blog and a YouTube channel. It's Cashflow to Freedom. That's the number. You can also find me on Instagram at Cashflow to Freedom, Facebook, the same with the number two. And our site is cashflow2freedom.com. And that teaches real estate principles. We teach learning passive income, all that kind of stuff. We use our case studies. And so you can go email me, reach out to me on the social medias or the YouTube, whatever, whatever you want. Um, I'm really happy to answer and uh, work with anybody that has questions. Terrific. Well, for the listeners at home, definitely reach out to AJ at cashflowtofreedom.com. That's cashflow, the number two, freedom.com. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow.